Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome once again to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up on the show, the sublime Simon Pegg fills us in on his brand new Channel 4 drama, The Undeclared War. The hilarious David Mitchell shares all about starring in the brilliant Ben Elton production Upstart Crow, taken to the stage. Musical power couple Sophie Ellis-Bexter and Richard Jones from The Feeling take us through their new cookbook, their first ever cookbook together. They are a couple, and now they're a couple who have a cookbook, Love, Food and Family. And brilliant BAFTA sensation Big Zoo tells us about his latest show, Big Zoo's Big Eats on Dave, a double BAFTA, a double BAFTA award-winning show on Dave. All of that and so much more to come. So Vastos, kick things off and tell us, please, who is up first? He once worked in the cloakroom at TFI Friday and now he's fast becoming a national treasure who peeps shows us time and again how ridiculously funny he is. The stage version of the smash hit TV show Upstart Crow hits the West End in September. So please welcome a whip smart bow. It's David Mitchell. The Upstart Crow is the name of the stage play. Upstart Crow is the name of the yeah. telly show. For people who have no idea what we might be talking about, can you enlighten them, please? Well, it's a about is a comedy about William Shakespeare uh, in which I put on a, a wig and a bald cap and pretend to be William Shakespeare and uh, we did it a, a sitcom on the TV and then we did a stage show of it that got closed down when the lockdown started and so we're coming back to finish off what we started and it was a, it's a, a show I'm incre- in, extremely proud of it was going really well it's really funny and I was um, very upset that we had to stop and I'm thrilled that we can come back and do it. All right, so. t- tell us where the super funny feel comes from with regards to this production, because I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm a big fan of the TV show, but for, for, for people who don't know, again, just, just tell them. Well, it was Ben Elton has written it, and he basically reimagined William Shakespeare as a comedy character, as someone who had all the hallmarks of a classic sitcom character. He had aspirations and he had fears. He's a middle-aged man trying to make it in the world, he, he thinks he's a talented person who should be celebrated by the universe, but also he's frightened. He's frightened of the queen. He's frightened of being um, of, of being disgraced. He's resentful of all the posh other playwrights who he thinks look down on him and who called him an upstart crow. Uh, so he's caught there in the middle, sort of in the in that rictus of aspiration and jeopardy that your classic comic characters in. Um, and uh, we, he was in the 1590s in the in the TV show, and we joined him in the stage show in the reign of James the First. Um, you know, just soon after regime change, which will be, I think, in this autumn, uh, a timely feel. Uh, and uh, and he's struggling to make it in the world and get the credit he thinks he deserves. Now, you know, we know Ben Elton is super clever anyway, but how mu- how well must he know his Shakespeare to then play with the bard um, like he has done in Upstart Crow? Oh, I, th- I think he, he knows Shakespeare inside out. And, and I think he's, he's also, uh, because of the Shakespeare uh, in the 16th century, he basically commuted from Warwickshire to London. He was forever going to and fro and having 
trouble getting between Warwickshire and London. And Ben Elton himself has a similar length of commute because he lives in Australia. So he, he has fellow feeling for a man that has, takes three days to get to work. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so cool. Um, right, okay. David, so the TV show was Upstart Crow. This is the Upstart Crow. Um, so yeah. it, is it a distilled, is it a sort of a magnified version of the television programme? Is it the best things uh, that we saw on the telly? Is it abridged? Uh, the new things? What, what else could you it's, tell us about it's it? It's all new. It's an entirely new play um, uh, written about uh, Shakespeare a few years later than the TV show in 1605. And he's struggling, uh, having not re- written a decent play since Elizabeth I died. And it's a, a, a totally new, self-contained uh, comic play. And we did it just before lockdown. And it's a cracker. And I, I, I really, I'm, it's a, I've never been prouder to be in a show. Good for uh, you, it, it really flew. So well, I'm, I'm just can't wait to do it again. Yeah, and you're not just saying it because I can definitely feel it, you know, in your words, you know, and and via your voice. The complexity of Shakespeare. How do you think, as a student of Shakespeare yourself, how do you think he, he knew all those things? How do you think he, he was able to, to sort of weave such such sort of sophistication together with, you know, more articulately than anybody ha- had ever been before or has been since and put in the wit and the wonder and the wisdom and all these phrases we now take for granted every day? Well, some, I think he was, but sometimes a genius is born. That's, that's the thing. Sometimes someone is born and they're Mozart or they're Stephen Hawking, or they're Einstein, or they're Ben Elton. And I think William Shakespeare may have been the greatest of them. And he just, he was just born with a talent for writing like no one else who's ever lived. And he was, he was a random man born in Warwickshire to a, a Glover's family. But, you know, he was fortunately turned to, uh, taught to read and write. And he just had enormous talent and enormous empathy and poetry and it's one of the things that makes me happiest to be a human being, that we know that people can just be born and they are brilliant. Brilliant. And, you know, um, like it's the same with sports people. Some people they have to practice, but also there are some sports people, they're just better than everyone else. Yep. Bradman was 30% better at batting than anyone else who's picked up a cricket bat. And it's, it's sort of, it just comes from God or nature or call it what you like. But it's one of the things that makes the human race worth persevering with. Wow. Um, what a lovely conversation. Thank you for being on the other end of it, uh, David. Great to talk to you at the Upstart Crow, London's Apollo Theatre, Friday 23rd of September until Saturday the 3rd of December. Break a leg, my friend. Upstart Crow. Thank you very Great to talk to you, David. Bye-bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's given us Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, but this GCH cutie's latest escapade might just be his most realistic and most terrifying yet. The Undeclared War continues on Thursdays at 9pm on Channel 4, and here to tell us about a show so spooky it might make you finally update your antivirus, it's the superb Simon Pegg! Hi, Simon! Wow, what an intro. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks, Chris. You look like this building feels... <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday morning. I thought I might as well. It's very la la today. It's very la la land. We are hotter than Los Angeles today. Are we? Yeah. Wow. Officially, it's cool, isn't it? Well, it's, cool. it's hot, is what it is. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm okay, man. Yeah, it's nice to see you. Congratulations on the undeclared war. Uh, why don't you give us the elevator um, pitch for people who haven't seen it and need to get to this party? Uh, the Undeclared War is a gripping thriller about uh, a cyber attack on the UK, all from the point of view of a young intern who's gone to work at, in a placement at GCHQ, who, through her prodigious talents, manages to identify more 
within the malware <laughs> than uh, is immediately apparent. And it's just, and it's extremely prescient because it takes place in 2024. Boris has been uh, ousted. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. kind of topical can you be? I bet you were, well, not, I don't know, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I bet you were thrilled from a show point of view uh, <laughs> with how the week, uh, week's events have unfolded. I don't know from a personal point of view. And do you know what? I don't want to know from a personal <laughs> point of view. It's, it's, such a, it's such a heady and hot take mix to get involved in at the moment. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, Peter Kosminski, who's the writer-director, is such an intelligent guy. He's a brilliant dramatist and he researched this uh, show so so carefully for three years about all about cyber security about the kind of risks that are involved the kind of dangers we are in you know and um it's frightening how close he is to the truth it is frightening but also the way these 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 genius writers are so prescient because we've wondered about this before ben elton used to do this a lot in his books you know he used to he was three years ahead of the curve and he he wrote a book about something that you thought it was unthinkable or you know something we didn't necessarily want to think about because it might happen but it probably wouldn't and like gridlock and things like that they all tended to happen and i asked him how come how come you can tell the future and he said not of himself because he's too modest but it is definitely of himself and, and and your genius writer as well is that they see patterns mm-hmm. and it's like you know and it's like it's like physics you oh you quantum physics you see patterns and you think well this is bound to happen because we've seen these patterns before and how this cannot not happen yeah and this is kind of about what the show's about in terms of the adversary involved is doing exactly that by predicting everything that we as a country will do in response yep. to what's happening one of the most interesting things that I discovered, which I think everybody should know, which is that there are troll farms in uh, Russia uh, where there are people just on Twitter pretending to be British, being very au fait with British slang hashtags and starting arguments on Twitter, which are then retweeted by bots. And then real British people get involved, thinking that they're involved in some kind of debate, which turns ugly. Things get divisive, the discourse just becomes shouting and it destabilises our society. And that's actively happening. Yeah, and it's it's for free, more or less. Whereas, you know, you used to have to send a missile to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Back in the 60s and 70s. You know, and it's it's not it's not been, it's not been unheard of. And they just chance their arm. Uh, you know, they'll come yeah. up with 10, 10 really sort of incendiary statements an hour per per bot or per farm, per, yeah. per person. And they put it out there and something, catch, something might catch light. It's not dissimilar to what Saddam Hussein did, you know, in his death throes, um, you know, um, as far as uh, um, Desert Storm was concerned, when he scorched Kuwait, do you remember what he yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. He went around and he lit the oil fires, and it took him one second to light these. So, mm-hmm. so what's happening with the bots is a metaphorical version yeah. of what he did. It took a second to light a light an oil rig on fire, and it took forever to put them out. Yeah, and it's the same thing, but it's 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 via a keyboard warrior. Yeah, it's information wars, and information is power, and really. Really now it's becoming about not who's telling the truth, but who's telling the biggest lie the loudest. You yeah. Know? And that's terrifying. Yeah. So, so it's, it's disruption, you know, plus plus, isn't it? Yeah. And it, as you say, it's confusion and chaos. And yeah. that instills panic. Uh, and then, you know, as we're witnessing, I am surprised. I don't know about you, sorry, but I'm surprised more of this isn't going on because it's so easy and inexpensive for, for evil. I think it is more than we know. That's right. the thing is that it's happening. If you go online today to have a chat about what what's happening in politics at the moment, the chances are you will engage with a foreign adversary without realising it yep. because it's so pervasive. And other places are are all over it, you know, uh, and it's uh, this show kind of really demonstrates. Nothing in the show hasn't happened or hasn't been wargamed by our sort of Ministry of Cyber Defence. Um, 
It's pretty scary, and I think people should be aware of it. What else is going on? Anything else you want to say to the to the world as they listen in their droves? I've got a, there's a, a lovely animation coming out in August called Luck, which will be on Apple TV Plus. Which the trailer for that dropped yesterday, and it's a really sweet movie uh, about a, 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 a lucky black cat called Bob, played by me, and a girl who gets sucked into the land of luck. Watch the trailer; it explains Ooh, I love it all. The land of luck. It's lovely. Um, you come back and talk about it more if you want. I'd love to, man. Now that I know you're only in Hertfordshire, I can give you a lift. I know. Everybody thinks I live in LA. I don't. <laughs> you, but you, you cut the jib of somebody who lives in LA because, you know, it's not what you wear. It's who you are, people. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Um, please, will you watch our first uh, Before the Show show today? So every day I make a 59-second film. Yes. It's called the Before the Show show. I make it before the show, but now they're so complicated, they they. They don't usually happen until after the show, but they're still called before the show show. <laughs> and today's is our first ever two reel deal. Oh, wow. Okay, two 59 second reels. It's the pre prep for my um, um, colonoscopy. Oh, so the, I've had one as well. Yeah, so you went through the bowel prep. Oh, man. Yeah, I quite like it. You put that on the. I don't mind. I don't <laughs> oh, mind Chris, it. what are you doing? No, I put that on, right? But I've also. I, I didn't have any sedation, so I, did, I meditated during it. So oh, I, you did? Yeah, so I could talk and film it and the surgeon with I my. I am so impressed. It's all there, mate. I was it's out. all there. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Their live stream discos might have saved us during lockdown, but I've got a feeling that boogieing isn't the only thing these two can do in the kitchen. Here to tell us all about their brand new book, Love, Food, Family, and hopefully not burn this goddamn house right down, it's the murderously marvellous Sophie Ellis-Bexter and Richard Jones. Good morning, you two. <laughs> Good morning. There's the cookie cake. <laughs> tell oh, us gosh. about the cookie cake, Soph. So the cookie cake is one of the recipes that's actually... So this is a family cookbook and lots of our family represented. And actually the cookie cake is my sister Martha's recipe. Ooh. Yeah, she did it for Kit's birthday, was it, a few years back? And it was met with gasps of delight because it's, it's literally beautiful. literally a giant a, cookie. A giant cookie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's why we thought we'd bring it because it's a good communal one when everybody can break a bit off and it have a It looks bit. like a giant cookie with a bit of Rocky Road thrown in just for good measure, you know. Yeah, um, it's looking very pretty. It does I actually to, really want some right now. doesn't have to be bad to be better. <laughs> right, Rich, tell us about... Um, appearing live cooking on telly because you know playing on TV you've done that many many times before um, that could throw people into some kind of um, uh, appearance anxiety if they've not done it before but you have talking on telly some people feel uncomfortable with that but cooking on telly I mean come on man it was actually very nerve-wracking. I, I don't think I've felt that nervous since probably Wembley Stadium. Uh, there's moments in your career where you're like, hang on a minute, I've never done this well, before. Well, tell us about Wembley Stadium first. Uh, the Diana Tribute concert back right. in 2007, was it? Or six? Um, we played that with The Feeling, and uh, at the time it was by far the biggest show we'd ever done. Of course. And it was live on TV, and as we were walking on stage with no sound check, no sound check, the... Um, the producer said, we've just heard there's a billion people watching live. <laughs> so not only are you playing to about 90,000. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You don't want to know, do you? No, we've, we, here's, here's what you should have said. We've just heard the signals gone down. Yeah. <laughs> just entertain yeah. the guys. Yeah, yeah so I think with music, once we'd done that, everything else seemed a little bit kind of, you know, less nervous. Yeah, and that nervous. was with thousands of live music playing hours under your belt. Yeah. Yeah, whereas cooking on live TV, we didn't actually do any... Any practice demo? Uh, we, no. No. <laughs> so I, I, I've seen clips of it, but with the sound down, and I had a very busy day yesterday because I had cameras fine. on my back passage. Sound down is fine. Um, oh, okay. uh, yeah, you don't want to sound up while that's happening. No, not really, to be honest. Um, so uh, what did you make? Uh, we did pulled pork tacos. Oh, did you? Pull yeah, tacos? with some rainbow slaw, which is our birthday feast of choice because we're born four days apart. So... 
like this year was very typical. We had about, I don't know, it's about 20 of our mates round. We cook a big one of these, so it's a massive shoulder of pork. And then you slow, slow cook it until it all falls apart. And then you can put it in your little tacos. And yeah, we did that. Yeah, it's, guacamole, it's really salsa, little, little pickled red onion. So how did it go on the bounce? I actually thought it was cool. I was quite. I find you see, I get more nervous about talking. I'm um, like doing interviews on live telly. Right. So for me, chopping stuff, I was like, well, I, I'm doing something. I felt quite chilled. But yeah, so was, it was a useful yeah. distraction. From yeah. I'm used to having a, just a bass guitar in front of me and a front person in front of me, like <laughs> Sophie or Dan from the Feeling, doing all the talking stuff. So for me, it was completely. Also, out you my... did a, probably more of the talking because you would commanded the commanded. I like that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did it go down? It was really, I mean, you know, Holly and Phil were very, very supportive and enthusiastic. <laughs> supportive. So, yeah, they, I think I think no matter what, they're going to make they, nice noises. I mean, they acted like they really liked it. Like it so, <laughs> yeah. Can anything go wrong with pork? I mean, pork is the one thing you can overcook, can't you? Um, you have to sort of, if you have a, a catering establishment, you have to be on the verge of illegality for it to be enjoyable. Not edible, but enjoyable. You know, and I think if food inspectors came into certain places, they'd say you can't serve it that rare because it's pork. But you sort of have have to in a way it's a bit like tuna well know, not well, with the yeah with the slow one. the slow cooking which we do is actually about you can cook it for as long as you like right so you start it off really hot so you can get the, the crackling crispy on top right and then turn it straight down to about 160 for four hours then and then down to 140 for another two hours but once it's at 140 Got you it. could leave it for as long as you like so low and slow low and yeah. slow and low then and actually slow. when it's done it just falls off the boat We've literally oh. done it for 12 hours before haven't we like yeah, put it you, on the night before and got up in the morning you and can't it's, go wrong and it's, it's not, so good it's very cooked yeah uh, mm. thanks for coming in today i know you've got a busy weekend well done on the tell yesterday you smashed it people can <laughs> watch you. it again it's all over everywhere um <laughs> i give my love to tunbridge wells and pub in the park today which is going to okay. be awesome have a fantastic weekend um are you appearing on any uh, weekend telly promotion uh, we're gigging this weekend, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're up to Newcastle. Yeah, right. yeah. They asked me to go on Saturday Kitchen um, next Saturday to talk about um, Carfest North and South. And I, I, I can't because I'm busy, but they should put you two to talk about <laughs> that and to talk about your book. They yeah. clearly have a slot. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on holiday, but no, <laughs> well, I think you might have to not be on holiday. It's your you're peddling your wares, oh, young yes. man. Okay, is what sure. you're doing. We'll go and cook a cake, cookie cake. Um, thanks so much. We're going to have some cookie cake now. We'll get that on Insta, uh, and we'll get our reaction to it. Um, uh, thank you, Rachel, for being amazing. You're amazing. I love you. I do. I love you. <laughs> thanks thanks a lot to the of love team today. I'm happy. Like, it's Friday. Sun's yeah. out. You know, um, <laughs> I've got the all clear with the old um, camera up the bum. Uh, have you seen the video yet? Yes. What do, you, what do you think? I'm very happy for you, Helen. Good outcome. I'm very happy for you and your anus. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's a big star with a big show and two big BAFTAs whose acceptance speeches went stratospheric. The new series of Big Zoo's Big Eats returns to Dave on Mondays at 10pm. So take a pew. This is quite a cue. Coo, we joined the queue. Who knew? And woohoo, voulez-vous, we got Big Zoo! Goodness, that's over. <laughs> Hello, Zoo. That was a great intro. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, he nearly... Made it to the end. As yeah. Well. yeah, Big maybe. Z. For people who don't know about your show, just shout it out, will you, from the top of the tower? What is it? Where is it? How is it? Who's involved in it? We cook for celebrities from a food truck. Me and my two friends from secondary school, and we 
just go all over the nation. We go from the bottom to the top of the UK and we cook for some of the greatest people that have ever lived. Now, you love life, you love people, you love your mum to death. I do love her a lot. Uh, you love your music, you're an amazing and accomplished musician and you are this this uh, killer chef. Um, how did all those things occur in your life and whereabouts on that journey? Oh, it's it's been a lot. I guess I'm really lucky that a lot of my hobbies I'm able to make money from. <laughs> you know, I've made a career from doing the things that I love and I feel like that's kind of like reflected in the times that we're in you know social media is a big key and I've been able to use that to create a career of it so I'm very lucky so tell us about the cooking aspect when did you yeah. first I mean obviously your mum is your hero in yeah. many many walks of life yeah I mean obviously from young I've always been a young fat boy people say big bone I say no just fat man and my mum was pregnant with my little bro when she was when I was 10 so when she was coming towards the end of her pregnancy, she wasn't cooking a lot in the house. So I thought, let me help out by boiling some pasta and microwaving some pasta sauce. And it ended up coming up all right. And then th- that kind of feeling of accomplishment, that nice feeling of cooking for my mum and helping around the house made me keep going. Then I did um, cooking in school, GCSEs, uh, Big Up Miss Boucher. And that's why I cooked with <laughs> Tubbsy and Haida, who are on the show with me as well. So we cooked in school together. And now we have a... Really good cooking show. <laughs> so, so you do have an amazing cooking show, and you know it's it's because uh, it wears its skill very lightly on its sleeve. Uh, but you can tell from your knife skills and things that are going on that there is some real sort of um, you know some practice that's gone on there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we can cook. A lot of people are surprised when <laughs> when they find out that we can actually cook. But you know, we've doing three seasons of of Big Eats. You know, doing we had a breakfast show on ITV. We we work a lot with different types of food. We cook we cook a lot a lot of courses for a lot of people in high-pressured environments. So, no, I'm not Marcus Waring, and I'm not Gordon Ramsay, but, hey, I don't just boil eggs. Yeah, and they're not you either. That's they're the not whole me, point. no, unfortunately. That, that is the whole point. So, so you knew pals from secondary school. You know, uh, tell people more about, about those guys. Oh, Tubbsy and Haida. When I did the pilot for Big Eats, which is like the first little episode they do, like a trial run yeah, yeah. in non-TV terms, they wanted me to do it with some beautiful co-hosts that were like already established, already like within the industry. No one could turn up on a day because everyone was busy. <laughs> So I said, why don't we just get my two friends, Tubbs and Hyder? Um, the channel were going a bit crazy. They, they were very worried because Tubbs and Hyder had no social media, no experience within anything um, to do with that world. But did the pilot, went really well. And they said, you know what? Give him a job. And yeah, three years later, they're BAFTA winners, right, which so, doesn't make sense. So each each episode is like half an hour-ish uh, long between sort of 27 minutes, 33 minutes long. Yeah. And and so what happened, again, for people who haven't seen it, so what happened, you, you, you land somewhere and then what? So we meet a celebrity. Yeah. I'll give, so the episode of Johnny Vegas aired yesterday. So we met Johnny Vegas up in Stockport and we basically go to where they're from or where they are at the time. Where they're doing their thing. Yeah. And then we meet them, we kind of explore the city, explore the area find out what's the local produce, speak to the celebrity we're meeting, Johnny Vegas at yeah. the time. They cook for us. <laughs> so they cook. Uh, Johnny Vegas made us a halal spam burger with a gochujang glaze. <laughs> Never thought I'd ever say that. Um, it was a good burger. And then we make a free course meal for Johnny Vegas. Um, we go sit down. We sat down in a nice um, fish and chip restaurant and turned it into a big zoo restaurant. And then we just eat and talk about the food that he loves and his life. And yeah, but also he's up to he's up to stuff as well. So he's looking at, because he loves vintage stuff, doesn't yeah. he? Uh, and so then your pals go off and join him for a bit and yeah. have a bit of fun. That remind. have you seen that show American Pickers? 
Yes. I, have. I thought, I thought, hang on a minute. Like they're that. picking here. This is what they do. It was a bit like that. I yeah. loved it. We got to go to the Vintage Emporium and look at some um, collectibles. I yeah. called them antiques. He said, no, they're collectibles. Yeah. And we get to like dive into things that the people love. Like, so we do different things with different people. So the next episode is Catherine Ryan and um, she just has, she just had a baby. So the episode's around us like doing shopping for her baby. <laughs> and then we go to her house and take over her house. And yeah, each episode is different. We go to different places doing different things like Lucy Bowman we ended up in Hull around a random shopping centre like it, it, it is so random like series one we flew to Isle of Man to cook for Josh Widdicombe and we ended up going to a creamery in the Isle of Man so like it, the show could take anywhere but what's beautiful about it is we are three young British Muslim man and we're going around the UK doing the most British things so it breaks down so many boundaries and then we open so many doors to different cultures and foods and I think that's why people like it because they like it's brilliant for so many reasons and when, when you just then began that little explanation with what's beautiful about it is well I was going to think well everything everything is beautiful about this Thank show you. it is so so good it's funny it's sensitive you know and also you do want to cook the stuff yeah. right so because so <laughs> what you did with, with Johnny you got to watch Johnny just watch them all there's this is a brilliant show but Johnny's episode is the latest episode it's um, um, the first episode of se- season three and um, Johnny requests stuff so you find out it's a bit like Saturday Kitchen what do you like what do you love yeah. what do you hate and then you, you sort of you, you accommodate that but then you surprise them as well so yeah. you try and educate them back so give us a flavour of what Johnny Johnny liked and what you may have included and then what you surprised him with so I mean, Johnny loves Guinness. That was one of his, his number one standout Guinness things. Gravy. Loves a Guinness gravy. So we made him a keg of Guinness gravy that he drank straight from the barrel um, <laughs> and made him like a nice bit of lamb breast with 30 garlic clams because he loves clams and mussels and all these things. So we made him the stuff that he likes. But then he sp- spoke to me about his parents making him this pea and lentil soup, yeah. how much he loved it and how much he wished he learned how to make it. Yeah. And... Um, it reminded me of something that my mum made me, which is a pepper soup. So instead of making him a pea and lentil soup, I made him a West African, very spicy pepper soup. Yeah. And he absolutely loved it because what was what was so good for him was that he's like, you learned this recipe from your mum while she's still here. And it got a bit emotional and it kind of reminded him of him of all his memories, but he also got to taste something new. And yeah, it was really spicy. He went red, but hey. We gave Harry Harry Redknapp Scotch bonnet for the first time, so anything's possible. Big Zoo, it is a real pleasure to meet you. We've all been excited about meeting you this morning. We couldn't be happier that you are everything and more that we hoped and dreamed you Thank would you. be. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome to meet you. Uh, Big Zoo's Big Eats, Dave, Mondays, 10pm. Uh, tonight, BBC Three again. Hungry for it. Hungry for it. All right. OK, well, the TV world remains very hungry for this guy. He's going to go all the way. Wait till America gets hold of him. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, so I hope you'll agree. We've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already, but still to come. Legend of the Screens, big and small, Miriam Margulies takes us through the paperback copy of her book without trying to swear on the radio. This Much Is True is the title of the book. It's a great read. She's a wonderful human being, and it was lovely to talk to her. The greatest sports commentator currently known to sports spectator fankind, David Crofty Croft, looks ahead to the Austrian Grand Prix, but very much back at the Silverstone Grand Prix 
too. And I gilled him with more professional compliments that he clearly can cope with. Rugby royalty Will Greenwood tells us what to expect from this year's Festival of Sport. The Queen of LA, Carl Richards, shares all about the latest series of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And Talk TV's Piers Morgan gives us the weekly update on his show, Uncensored. But to be honest, mostly we talk about sport. Let's get right back to it now, Vassos. Who's next? She's been on our tellies, stages and big screens since the 60s and in her 80s she's better and busier than ever. Her memoir, This Much Is True, comes out in paperback tomorrow so please welcome the BAFTA winner, the miracle, the marvel, the Miriam Margulies! Hello Miriam. Good heavens Gwendolyn. <laughs> <laughs> how, how amazing, I've never been introduced like that. I'm Good. very touched. Well you Thank deserve you. it more than uh, most and uh, everybody gets that anyhow, uh, but you truly deserve it. So much to talk about, Miriam. I don't really know where to start, to be honest. Um, Well, as I reminded you, Chris, we last met when you worked for the other side. Yes, that's right. And and you say it was four years ago. Four years ago, yeah. The view wasn't as good. Um, The people were still amazing. The job was fantastic. Uh, But this is our new home, and you're very welcome, Miriam Thank you. Well, it's lovely to be with you. It says here, um, I'm 80. Suddenly I'm 80. 81 now. Uh, How can that possibly be 80? 80 is old. 80 means maybe five, maybe ten years left. Tell me about that. Tell me about that mindset. It's an awareness that time is running out. Mm. And when you're young and even when you're middle-aged, you don't think like that. You think you've got acres left. But I haven't. So I've got to get on with it. I've got to make life work for me. And as I've got older, I've got fatter, I've got less mobile, you know, all the things crowd on you. So you have to really lift yourself to meet the challenges of being alive. Yeah, but you wouldn't change a thing, though, I presume. Oh, I'd like to be, I'd like to be 45 again. No, but you wouldn't change a thing leading up to this point. Because no, because I'm having a wonderful yeah, time. Sure. And you're busy and you're still working at 81. You're still in demand, Miriam Markley. I am. <laughs> Do you know I'm going on from here to other interviews and I'm writing another book. And people want me, and they I can't do. believe it. This old bag. They've always wanted you. Uh, you say here, um, why do I still feel so unsure about things at the age of 81? But that's very so- sort of Socrates, isn't it? You know, the one thing he ended up knowing is that he knew nothing. And I suppose that is that where you get to in the end? Yes, you realise you you don't know anything. And, yeah. you, and I want to know things. So I'm still curious. I still ask questions, just like you do. That's what that's our job, yeah, I, to I find things it. out. Uh, because, you you know, that's that's been sort of, uh, you know, uh, in the second half of your career, you have made those kind of films where you go around the world and you become the inquisitor, um, the inquisitive inquisitor. And you, I'm a documentarian you, now. You are a documentarian and you love it. I've been called other things. But <laughs> <laughs> you say here about Cambridge, I went up to Cambridge in October 1960 and that's really when my life started. What do you mean by that? Well, when you're at school, you're just not really a person yet. I I was interested in everything. I had wonderful friends and I went to the best school in the world, Oxford Girls High School. It was a bit posh and that's why I have this awful posh voice, which I wish I didn't because it cuts me off from other people. But uh, I wasn't really me. But when I went to Cambridge... I thought, well, poo, or words to that effect, I'm going to be me. I'm trying so hard not to 
not to be a naughty girl. I know, I know. Um, uh, what does it say here? It says, one of your teachers said, um, you were naughty but never... Wicked. Wicked. I was never wicked. Yes. And I'm not wicked. No, I not know wicked. who is wicked. Somebody in 10 Downing Street. Yeah, you talk about politics a lot, don't you? Yes, I do. And it's almost, you, you, you might be getting what you wish for because you dedicate a chapter to, to he who shall not be named. You can name him if you want, I don't really mind. Uh, but it seems to be going your way today. I think people are waking up to the fact that we have a liar in charge and we can't have that. England mustn't be famous for having liars. Britain. Britain, I suppose Britain, yes. Yeah, yeah, the UK. Well, I I want to be European, you see. I'm yeah, one of the Ramonas. You talk about Brexit a lot, don't you? And uh, I do because it's affected I know, my and life. It's made you sad. It's made you and it made lots of people sad, you know. And um, you know, was it ever really needed uh, we found out the fact that we were we'd voted to leave the European Union when we were broadcasting live from Glastonbury. Yeah. It was really weird. You know, what a strange place to find that out on the radio. And um, we woke up to because we couldn't believe it. Nobody could really believe it. Not even Nigel Farage could believe it, you know, because he went home from his own party before it started because he thought that they'd lost and uh, and uh, Remain had won. But we woke up the next day in Glastonbury um, and uh, we were all a bit shell-shocked to say the least. And then at quarter to eight, we got a message in our headphones saying, we think the Prime Minister's going to resign. And it's it all went pear-shaped, didn't it? And it has been for a good while. It has then. been. Well, for me personally, it's been a, a disaster because yeah. it means I have a lovely house, the first house I ever bought, and I can't go and live there for more than 180 days. Is, is this the house that you um, seduced... Um, oh, who was it? You were auditioning with someone. You wanted you wanted to get on the same level as them, and so you you, gave, you handed out pictures of your house in um, Europe, uh, asking them would they like to rent it before you auditioned. Is that, <laughs> is that a true story? It's a true story. Can you yes. just recount that briefly for us, if you don't mind? Well, I was up for a, a role in a film... Um, auditioning for Steven Spielberg, Spielberg. wasn't it? That's right, yes. yeah. And I, I hate going into any situation not being top dog. I don't want to have to kowtow to people. It upsets yeah. me. Or at least on a level playing field. A level. Yeah. I want to be level. Mm. And I'm so short and fat and not pretty. <laughs> and you're never level when you you're like that. So I thought, poo. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> so you had you had basically makeshift brochures of your yes, house. Yes, I had one-page brochures with a with a picture so and the price. Before we go any further with this audition, Mr. Spielberg, would any of you like to rent my house for the summer in Europe? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and what was their reaction, their response? Well, they were very interested and surprised, <laughs> and of course, that made them think of me as a as a as a, as person. a person. Yeah, as because to because I was a house owner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they treated me with more respect. I didn't get the part, yeah, didn't but get I got the their part. respect. It's great to see. You're awesome. Thank you. You're really awesome. Uh, well done. I mean, still as busy as a bee at 81. Um, wow. Vassos, <laughs> let's hope we, we get half at the office that Miriam's getting now on an hourly basis for the uh, whole of our 80s. Well, exactly that. And, um, you know, Heather, who was promised um, that you wouldn't be indiscreet, let's just hope she doesn't read the in therapy chapter. <laughs> yeah. She, she clearly hasn't. She hasn't read really. No. no. <laughs> She thinks this is a work of fiction. Right, one minute past nine. Got to go. That's Miriam Margulies. This much is true. It's out tomorrow and it's a fantastic beach read. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Here we go. Over to Vassos.Alexander on Instagram and out on the radio. He makes a career out of controversy, but even he may have gone too far this time. Cristiano Ronaldo to 
Arsenal? I mean, really? It's the TV show they can't stop talking about. It's Piers Morgan Uncensored and it's back on Talk TV at 8pm tonight. He's the beer moth of bruising, broadcasting. Guten Morgen, Piers Morgan! Good morning, Piers! Good morgen, Piers! All is clear, yeah? I, love, I love those intros, thank you. Well, it's downhill from here, Vass. Um, so Piers this is going to if you keep coming on on Monday and by the way you're very welcome uh, it's just going to be a weekend round up of sport again first of all before we go into your show because I know you love your sport you love your juice um, yeah. Nick, what about Nick Kyrgios Piers well he's, he's sort of insufferably awful and yet compelling to watch isn't he he's like the most monumental brat since McEnroe but at the moment he hasn't got McEnroe's ability to win major tournaments the big question is can Kyrgios who without any doubt, on his days, a brilliant tennis player, can he somehow barrel and abuse and mock and scorn his way to Wimbledon glory, which would be an amazing story. So I'm sort of appalled, but fascinated. Do you like him, or does that not come into it one way or another? Uh, I don't think I do. I don't think he's the kind of guy I would enjoy hanging out with. He just seems completely unbearable. However, however, I'm aware that some of your listeners will be thinking... Yeah, pretty rich from you, mate, talking about unbearable brands. So <laughs> I, I, I do like the fact that he has electrified the tournament, and I do like the fact that we've got somebody that, whether you love him or hate him, you want to watch him. So I think I don't want to be hypocritical. I do, I'm drawn to people like him in sport, even if I do find some of his behaviour towards the line judges in particular pretty repellent. And when you say an unbearable brat, so so for Kyrgios now, maybe see McEnroe back in the day or maybe not. Did Mac have a certain charm with what he's doing? Obviously he had this, this uber talent as well, or is that just us, um, is that us reverse engineering what was equally as bad then as Kyrgios is doing now? Yeah, I think it's, I don't think there's a lot of difference between them. I mean, McEnroe used, used to abuse line judges, didn't he? I think we've got slight rose-tinted spectacle because he's become such a brilliant commentator and he is very charming. I think Kyrgios is perfectly capable of charm. I've seen it with him. Um, but I think that his behaviour so far in this tournament has been pretty ghastly. Um, however, as we know in sports, the more ghastly certain people behave, if they can match it with talent, then a lot of the public find it uh, irresistible to watch. And I think that's where we are with Kyrgios. I will certainly be tuning in today to watch him on centre court because you never know what's going to happen with him. Right, Piers, uh, Chris Kamara is on the show tonight. What's going on? Yeah, it's a really, it's, it's going to be quite a moving interview, I think, because as we all know, Chris has been one of, talking about a bully, he's been one of the greatest pundits of any sport that this country's had, I think, in my lifetime. Just a man of extraordinary exuberance and energy and dynamism. And he's been struck down by this neurological disorder which really badly affects his speech and it's meant he's had to give up a lot of his work. So I'm going to do, I think it's going to be his first of a major television interview about it tonight. And it's just going to be very moving. I'm a huge fan of Chris. I think he's just an amazing character. And the fact that he's had this problem and in fact he's spoken so bravely about it and so inspiringly, I think it's going to make the compelling television. But more importantly, I just think he's a, he's a guy that I want to see back on the airwaves. I'm delighted he's going to be on the show tonight. Great. No, he, do, he does light up the screen, doesn't he? He's a, he's a very likeable, affable, um, yeah. a great force to have around. And Macy Gray's on the show. Now, the last time I talked to Macy Gray, she it was backstage at TFI Friday. So what's going on with her and you? <laughs> well, you know what? It's actually very interesting. So I deliberately, I did this a few days ago, and we held it for July 4th, Independence Day in America, because a year ago, on Independence Day, she wrote an op-ed piece in which she uh, demanded that the 
American flag be changed to make it more diverse. You wanted the white to be let off white. You wanted it to be more effective of the country. And I just was very curious, what, you know, the tremendous backlash to what she said, as you can imagine, from many people in America. Um, but she also raised an interesting debate about whether things like flags should be modernized over time. There's so much else is about our culture. So I sat down with her. It was a compelling interview. She's a fascinating character. She's got, I think, one of the all-time great voices. Um, and when we talk about this issue, about race and diversity in America, about the backlash she got to the, the flag debate, and I actually heard her talk about her pride and love for her country, which many people thought she didn't have. It was a very moving encounter. And I, I just think she's a... He's a great character. I really enjoyed the interview. I think people will when they see it. All right, Piers, what is your day uh, briefly between now and going on air tonight? Uh, Piers Morgan, Uncensored, airs on Talk TV 8pm every Monday through to Thursday, Sky Channel 526, Virgin Media 67, Freeview 237, Freesat 217 and Skyglass 508, YouTube and live on demand on the Talk TV app and Talk TV itself. But how, how, what's your prep like? Is it? Do you have a, a regular regime now? Have you fallen into a Yeah, pattern? I do actually, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When you, when you start a new thing, you sort of take a while to get into what that regime is. And I found what works best for me now. I, I always get up early. So I was up about 5.30 this morning. I get online, see what's going on. When the papers arrive, I'm still old-fashioned. I get five newspapers thudding on my doorstep. I love that sound. It's always excited me as a former newspaper editor. And I pour through them. And I look for a mixture of it. One of the big stories, obviously, you've got the, the Tory sleeve story will be a big story tonight. But also one of the fun stories, lots of stuff we can have a bit of a laugh with. I'm sure your team and you do the same thing. And so by the time I get to like nine o'clock now, I do these interviews on a Monday start promoting the show, but then I'll talk to the team at about 11 o'clock. They'll have already had their internal meetings and we'll start to then make decisions, final calls about the, the running order, about a big guest and so on. And then, of course, that can all change. You, know, you, can, you can have what you think is a perfectly crafted show and then at five o'clock in the afternoon, three hours before airtime, something breaks, which means everything changes. And I love that. You know, that, that to me is all about what live broadcasting should be about the ability to suddenly pivot from a you know a fairly sort of routine show into something spectacular and live and exciting that's what i love i think you you love that chris i love it it's, you can't beat live radio live television it's just the it's the beating blood of broadcasting so i'll be thinking great we've got a great show great guests everything's lined up and then i'll get in about four o'clock uh, half four into the studios over in, in uh, Ealing and then we'll go through everything and then I'll be thinking quietly I hope something massive breaks because that in the end is what I think is most exciting about the job Alright mate I'll talk to you next Monday have a great show tonight Piers Morgan Uncensored Talk TV 8pm Monday through Thursday The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio Move over Beverly Hills cops stand aside <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210 for a decade and more the world's most expensive postcode has been famous for this one astonishing show the new season of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is available now on Hey You so please hey welcome you. The real housewife in chief. She puts the rich in Richards. It's Carl Richards. Good morning, Ms. Richards. Welcome to the show. What an exciting introduction. Wow. How are you today? I'm amazing. How are you? I'm, we're always fantastic. I can tell by your yeah, happy voices our demeanor, and faces. Our spirit. How long have you been over here for? Uh, I got here on the 25th. All right. Okay. Yes. So uh, we have season 12. Now, 
If you were an LA Lakers player, that means you've been in the squad for 12 seasons. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, I like that analogy. Because you've been here, you've been in the show literally forever. I know. Okay, and it's Since one of the day one. successful shows in the world. Um, you know, it's a, a non-scripted factual entertainment show. Um, and it, it sort of, it was a springboard for a genre of, of copycat shows, similar shows. Um, and it is massive. This show is absolutely massive. So here's my first question for you, Kyle. Yes. Do you feel more Beverly Hills now or before this show started? Do I feel more Beverly Hills? Um, I feel less. <laughs> it's funny. It's a funny question. I wouldn't have thought about that, but I would say less. You know, I'm born and raised there, as I've said in so many of my taglines. <laughs> but um, I find myself, you know, like, I associate Beverly Hills with like everyone being dressed up and, you know, flashy. And I find myself pulling more away from that over the years. Like, I don't, if I never see a pair of lashes again in high heels, I would be happy. <laughs> so for people who haven't been to Beverly Hills and have just seen, you know, your show or other shows, you know, Beverly Hills Cop, for example, or any of those kind of shows, it's not all like that, is it? It's, it's, it's spectacularly beautiful and, and picturesque in part. Well, it is. I mean, London is, I mean in my opinion, a lot more beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, Beverly Hills people, don't get mad at me. But um, yes, it is It is um, beautiful. It's actually a small town, you know. Um, of course, Los Angeles is a big city, but Beverly Hills is a small town. You kind of just, everyone knows everybody. How did you get the gig in the first place? When was the first time you heard the phrase Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Um, I was seen on a documentary um, talking about my nieces, Paris and Nikki Hilton, and then they said, oh, she would be great, you know, to do a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And they reached out to me and I said, I, you know, I, my friend Bethany was on the New York show, but I said, I don't want to do reality or soap operas. I'm an actor, so I'm good, thanks. But then they came back to me again and they said, oh, you know, we kind of want to build this group around you. And, you know, here I am <laughs> 12 years later. I thought I was doing a show for two months. 12 years later. How uh, has it changed? You know, you've all changed within it. How has the show changed? Now, how has the production of it changed? The editing of it changed? The feeling of it changed? Gosh, you know, it, it's everything is so different now. The world is so different yeah. now. I remember when we first started um, shooting, it was right after 2008 where everyone had lost all their money. And, you know, it was all of a sudden a show about opulence. And they would ask things like, well, how much did you spend? on the party and I was like gosh I was raised to not talk about those kind of things but they loved to flash how much you would spend in a store and we were all really uncomfortable with that you know and then it became okay we grew out of that then it was like over the top even more and you know now the whole world has changed as as, as we all know so you know with that the show is changing we're changing and you know I think the women have grown and changed over time I know I certainly have over these 12 years thank God <laughs> and it's lovely to hear you being thoughtful and reflective about everything why wouldn't you be of course but it's just nice to hear that well, you know, sometimes people, you know, think, oh, I mean, obviously reality gets a bad rap. But honestly, in these 12 years of doing the show, um, I look back and you really do learn a lot about yourself. I'm not just, you know, being observant about what's going on in the world, but also how you react to things. And, you know, you kind of look and think, you know, I don't really like the way that that, that provokes me. And I don't like the way I reacted to this and that. And you do change. And, you know. I do feel like after 12 years, I, I'm, I've grown a lot and a better person for it. <laughs> Have you watched them all back? 
um, all the shows. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because some people can't stand watching themselves until even like really famous actors have never seen a thing they've done. Um, and I think they're lying. <laughs> I think some of them are. <laughs> I think some of them are. By the way, uh, I do. It's so funny. We've had people in here that you will have heard of, right? Really famous yeah. people. Like, I know they're all lying. Globally famous. <laughs> no, and they, these are musical artists, for example, and we'll play their new song. And one person who's really famous said, please turn it down, please turn it down, and literally couldn't stand the sound of his own voice. And then somebody else said, turn it up, turn it up. <laughs> and shall I tell you, the, I'll tell you the second person was, Barry Manilow. He's like, turn, Chris, turn it up. I'm oh. Barry Manilow. I love what I do. And I loved him I for love loving that. what he, I love he that. did. Well, I mean, like, for example, last week's episode, yeah. I didn't want to watch because I was at Garcelle's birthday party and I had been overserved. <laughs> Very upsetting. And I, I just didn't want to see. And I saw the preview and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what? I, I'm going off to London. I don't need to have that stress and be thinking about that. Right. So I didn't see it at all. And then last night we did something with Hey You where they did a screening and I watched it with an audience on a big screen. Mm. And I thought I was going to, about to pass out. I was so Ooh. stressed. But they were like laughing and having fun. So I'm like, okay, I'm overthinking this. Yeah. And then I realized it was next week's episode that I can't watch. <laughs> oh, no. So you've got all the stress yeah. again. So I really, I'm actually not lying about that. I will not be watching next it's week's so episode funny, because I want it? to enjoy my time here. Great to meet you. You too. Good story, Thank man. Thank you. Good story. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's face down the hacker, played in a team with a hooker, and now he's off to Holcomb. This Rugby World Cup winner is the founder of Norfolk's Festival of Sport from the 12th to the 15th of August. And thanks to Sky VIP, you and your family can be there. Here to make sure nobody gets left on the bench. It's the brilliant Will Greenwood. Good morning, Will Greenwood. Oh, thank you. I'm right here. And you've got uh, Rick Parfit Jr. at your yes, car fest. Yeah, yes. we've got him coming to the festival. Yeah. Isn't he just awesome? Look at you all prepared there, like <laughs> a schoolboy. Yes, yeah. Well, you've got, you know, you've got to make sure you get the right message across. Never unknowingly underprepared. It's, uh, it comes from my paranoid neurotic mother. It's great, 35-year teacher. Great. Tell us about the Festival of Sport. Uh, in a sentence, a packed weekend of family fun with dozens of sports and activities plus evening entertainment for the full festival vibe. We set it up inaugural year last year. We have all sorts of legends from Kevin Sinfield, Andrew Strauss, Kate, Hel- Kate Richardson-Walsh, Tamsin Greenway. The list goes on. 24-odd sports, camping, glamping, open-air cinema, two nights of music. It's the full festival vibe. You come, you set up your camp and it is the North Norfolk coast, which I fell in love with when I met my wife. It was our 19th wedding anniversary. Yesterday we got married. Congratulations. About, yeah, we got married about 500 yards down the road from Holcomb. And I think if you've never been to Norfolk, it's a place it you've got to go. It's really gorgeous. You know, Vassar's was slagging it off on the radio, actually on the radio really? a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> no, Properly slagging it off. Shame on you, is No, because we were talking about a rock festival. <laughs> and Norfolk, rock festival, I don't think so. Barnes, 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 Barnes. It was called Nor- Norwich Rocks, and I just thought that was Don't, don't go out. partridge on me. Do it, not go it, partridge on me. Doesn't such... it sound a bit? Oh, so, you're so stereotypical. I know. Open your eyes. He's unhelpful, isn't he? Open your mind, Vassar. Yes. <laughs> So, Norfolk, for people who don't know, Norfolk, Suffolk, the northern folk and the south folk, that's where the counties yeah. get the names from. Um, you know, tell us about the allure of it. What, what you, apart from your beautiful wife, uh, what, what else you fell in love with that was there? Um, scenery, I've got three dogs, all rescues, and you let them loose on the beach, and you go down from Hunstanton down to Thornham. So keep many walking. beautiful beaches. Yeah, you go to Brancaster. There's a great little uh, 
an old couple just in their house have a mussel pod. You stop in and they do chilli mussels. And it's chi- Yeah, yeah. They've got in their back garden. They've caught them this morning. And a you- mussel pod? Yeah, yeah. Like a little, you know how you get cuff, you like, walk here on the, over London Bridge and you've got a little, like a tiny little horse trailer. Yeah, yeah. In the back of their garden, they've got a horse trailer and they just sell mussels. I'm so and hungry. I'm it, so hungry. Um, honestly. I've got a fast from midday today from a colonoscopy tomorrow. I'm starving. Yeah. I can still eat, but I just feel like I can't. I shouldn't. Have you ever had to fast? Uh, we did. We tried a whole heap of things. We tried uh, the sixteen-eight fasting. So, so proper, you, no, this is like I can't eat for twenty-four hours. This is like yeah, proper. yeah, tough, tough, tough. I, I, I've got a great deal of respect <laughs> for you, not me. I, I eat little and often. They reckon I've got a tapeworm the size of uh, you know seventeen-meter tapeworm most of them. I'm always eating. Yeah, I'm a skinny beanpole. All right, Will Greenwood is here talking about festival of sport, twelfth to the fifteenth of August in Norfolk. Um, it's going to be. It's it's just great to go there. Anyhow, you can win tickets via the My Sky app. You can buy tickets, of course you can. Where do people go to buy tickets? Will uh, festivalsportuk.com and it's on Instagram it's on Facebook and we want to make sure everyone goes oh it's a festival you run a World Cup it's all about Olympic athletes absolutely not all about uh, if we discover the next Jason Robinson then fabulous but actually it's just getting involved with your mum's dad's uh... right so 24 sports yeah so like a what, massive what... sort of sports day weekend kind of thing yeah uh, loads of fun it can get competitive and serious for people who like a bit of that action as well that's got to go any prizes to be won uh, when you're there uh, it's more about uh, meet, finding I think the prize is go away have Having discovered a sport you've never tried and think oh, I, I could be a Jedi oh, at that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so archery last year, we introduced 700 kids to archery who'd never, ever right. picked up a bow and arrow. And they went away and we got loads of kids stayed involved in it. Um, I didn't get that bit of it. Okay, so you go, you're 24 sports, but yeah. in a way, you can, it's like a tryout weekend as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So the, the thing is, if you like your rugby, you're going to go there and go, I want to do rugby with the like rugby, England rugby are down there sending some of their top coaches, some great that. players. And you think, I'm just going to do eight hours of rugby. No, you're not allowed to do eight hours of rugby you sign up you get five sports each day and then you get some voluntary so the, the core sports are you know rugby, football, hockey netball, cricket athletics dodgeballs in there boxing and then if you want to try some options archery, kayaking taekwondo trampolining wait for this medieval sword fighting will be there uh, judo skipping <laughs> wheels extreme the list goes on we've just crammed it they've got trampolining with just an absolute rock star of a trampolinist who was a world champion, Amanda Parker, former Great Britain. And she does a little show and you think you go high on a trampoline and I then know. you watch the trampolinist go I high know. on it and you go, holy Lord, give me a parachute. I know. There's no bounce warehouse big enough uh, to, to cope with a proper Olympic standard trampolinist. And uh, what's interesting about everything that you're saying is that, you know, uh, Shane Warne, God bless him, you know, yeah. cricket was his third sport because he wanted to be an Aussie Reels footballer. Yeah. And then he became a tennis professional. And then uh, that didn't go quite as well as he wanted. So he thought he'd he'd give cricket a go. And you never know, do you? This is the thing, Will, you just never know. I was so lucky to play with Shane on a, in a golf tournament at uh, Wentworth about six months before he passed. And the passion he had for his cricket, you know, I was living in a caravan at the time, we were doing our kitchen up, and as I walked out of the caravan that morning, I looked and I had my lad's cricket bag was underneath the caravan. I thought, do you know what, I'm playing with Shane Warne, I'll take a cricket ball. You just, you just never know, because it takes five, six hours of these sort of programs. And on about our 14th hole, there was a queue, and I thought, if not now, then when? So I pulled out a cricket ball, and I think, I thought he's going to go, oh, what are you doing bringing a cricket ball? I'm just, I'm trying to have a day off. And he then did a 15-minute monologue about in front got all the crowd around him and said this is how I bowl my flipper this is how I bowl my leggy this fingers this is what everything I did in order to bamboozle and he had us eating out of a hand and the passion was pouring out of 
every pore. And what we have in terms of the sports people who are coming are people who have loved their sport all their life. It's been an integral part of their life. I'll be down at Maidenhead Rugby Training Tuesday and Thursday. You'll find me there till I'm 100 years old. My dad's still going down to a real rugby club at 81. We absolutely love our sport. I was brought up around it. And if I can put a festival on where kids come along and go, wow, I, I'm not great at cricket, but oh my God, I absolutely love boxing or taekwondo. Yeah, or you, you might love boxing or taekwondo, but actually, unknowingly, be great at cricket. Yeah, absolutely. And if you try those, uh, and you've got we've got some amazing coaches delivering all of it. And as I said, and the other thing that's interesting about for the parents who come, and most of us give up and go, well, I haven't got time. And we see some mums going and do the netball, and there's some uh, dad's touch, and occasionally they, there's occasional hamstring tweak because they think they're, you know, uh, Ben Cohen, or you think they're legging it down the wing, and they're uh, Henry Arundel, the kid who's just scored that wonder try for England of the weekend. But we make sure they all warm up, and they go away, and then they get, and they get involved in their local clubs, and they start to get back into things that they've given up, thinking perhaps they're too old. The reality is, for sport, I don't think you're ever too old. Uh, to join Will and all that uh, great tribal inspirational juice for tribes of all cultures, all colours, all natures, all abilities and disabilities, festivalofsportuk.com is where you need to go and where you need to be. Norfolk, the 12th to the 15th of August at Holcomb Park. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Right, we need some Sky Sports F1 light relief. Here's Crofty now. Forget Von Traps, it's Von Speed Traps this weekend as F1 heads to Austria. And they're all chasing Von Max, who's been in the sport since he was 16, going on 17. Red Bull's home Grand Prix is live on Sky Sports F1 from noon tomorrow. And the hills are alive with the sound of Crofty. The hills are alive with the sound of Crofty. Good morning. Morning, David. Oh, good morning, Christopher. Morning, Vassal. Morning, Rach. How are we all this well, morning? We're awesome. Can I just congratulate you? And I know you're not very good at this, but you excelled yourself, which is sort of impossible on Sunday. You <laughs> and the team, you know, the whole race, the whole day, you know, it was a very tricky situation. At one point, you handled that superbly, as you've had to do before in the past, unfortunately, and hopefully you'll never have to do again in the future uh, when the race was red flagged because of that horrific crash um, off the grid. Yeah. But then, you know, th- then we ex- then we all got to witness the most exciting British Grand Prix of all time, and you were at the the centre of it all, and you were wonderful, and you were actually never before underheard, uh, knowingly underheard, Crofty. You were drowned out <laughs> by the sound of the crowd. Yeah, weren't they great? Was what th- those last ten laps? Um, look, Martin and I got lucky uh, because the racing was so good. Um, Thank you uh, for saying that. The crowd were magnificent. The race was magnificent. Um, I'll let you into a little secret. It got so exciting. Uh, we, we have a little uh, platform in the commentary box at Silverstone so we can see over the bench because it's a bit high. I nearly fell off the platform. Uh, I, I nearly <laughs> lost my footing. I was dancing around so much. It was absolutely brilliant. And, and it's kind of kind of day you, you when you start out as a commentator all those years ago. And, and yeah, it was just brilliant. I loved it. Well, you were brilliant. I don't know if you've heard it back, but I'm going to play it for you again now. It's amazing. Your commentary is amazing. I mean, you know, just to be excited would have been enough, but you get all the right, you, you choose all the right words. Where they're coming from, I have no idea. You're just channeling absolute brilliance. Here we go. But what's also awesome is 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 the noise, the volume of the noise of the crowd. Here we go. Paris on the inside, Charles Leclerc gives him just enough space. Can Paris squeeze past the going wheel to wheel towards Vale now? Who's going to be last on the brakes? Leclerc has that. Inside line, Perez goes 
goes off the track, cuts the chicane, golf goes to Claire, through goes Hamilton. We can ask you, what were you saying there? Because nobody's ever heard it. <laughs> uh, well, I, it got to the stage. So much was happening so quickly. I thought, right, channel you in a Murray here and, and just say in bullet points what's going on. So, you know, um, Leclerc goes wide, Perez uh, forces him off. Through goes Hamilton, and I just saw this silver machine uh, making a making a move, and thought, do you know what? Let's let's give it large here, and and do you know what? The crowd cheering as well. Um, that that just makes I think the commentary even better. It sounds like someone's just scored a goal, which they kind of had, uh, and then a few corners later, Lewis sadly lost that place. But oh no, it was it was a brilliant end to an epic weekend, and Silverstone did not disappoint, and, and the fans disappoint and. Every year, Chris, it's the best race of the season. But by heck, was that the best race oh, of the season? Yeah. Without, and, you know, you say you referenced Murray Walker there. That's all I could think at the time. I thought, oh, right now, he truly is uh, the heir apparent. Or, uh, you know, that was the cor- We witnessed the commentating coronation on Sunday officially of the microphone being passed from Murray Walker to your good self. And I don't mean that uh, sort of, you know, you. With, 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 with any disregard to what you've done since um, Murray has no longer been, no longer with us anymore, but no longer uh, doing what he did for so long. But that was just, he, he, I know from whichever cloud he's looking or was looking down on Silverstone from, he would have been more than proud of his prodigal son. So well done, pal. That was yeah. absolutely awesome. Right, Joe Ganyu, uh, how is he? What's what's yeah. the latest? So I saw I saw Joe yesterday. Um, he was on the same plane as as myself and the incredible. rest of the Sky team. That's incredible. Out of Austria. It's it, it. Do you know what? Absolute no scratches, no ill effects. He said he woke up. He was a bit sore on Monday. He's had a few massages. Because uh, he was a bit sore, but absolutely no no damage whatsoever. And as I said to him, um, I said, well, I see you're 100% right as rain. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you just pushed in the queue like any good Formula One driver <laughs> would do. Um, so there's nothing wrong with you this morning. And so we had a bit of a laugh. I said, look, you know, it, it was scary. It was terrifying. But uh, he feels a very lucky man to walk away without a scratch. That That could have been horrific. And once again, Chris, we should pay tribute to the FIA, to, to Jean Todd, who, who, who had a lot of criticism over the halo, but stood firm and knew that it was the right thing to introduce. And the halo didn't just save Joe Granue's life at, at the weekend. It, it saved Roy Nassani as well in the F2. Um, safety is absolutely paramount. And, and it's lovely to be able to have a chat uh, with Joe on a Monday mo- on a Wednesday morning rather than him still being in hospital, which could have been the case many years ago. Oh, my goodness me. And and worse, of course. But well done. Congratulations. Um, uh, it was absolutely awesome. Sky Sports F1 just gets better and better and better. I was with Stephen uh, Van Rooyen, your boss, yesterday. And then I was with Dana, the new big boss, uh, last week. And they all, they say, you know, what do you like? I say, well, I, you know, I love Lazarus Project. I can't wait for White Lotus to come back. I can't wait for Brassett to come back in the autumn. But uh, to be honest, it's all about F1 for me, and I really mean it. And But they, they are as big a fans of you and what your team do as I am you might be glad to hear when it comes uh, to your next um, contract <laughs> negotiation round uh, th- that's that that's very nice to hear alright for me uh, this conversation was mostly about what happened last weekend uh, all we're going to do as far as this weekend is concerned other than what you've just said there is tune in to find out more about this year's mm-hmm. amazing Formula 1 Grand Prix season Sky Sports F1 when does it all kick off Crofty? Uh, kicks tomorrow don't forget sprint weekend so qualifying on Friday 
and sprint race on Saturday afternoon. And the thing is, don't turn away because in F1, you just can't get enough, right? <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.